baseball fans. It's time to take a trip from coast to coast across Major League Baseball. There it goes, a long drive. If it stays fair, home run. One strike away. Sandy into his windup. Here's the pitch. Swung out and missed a perfect game. Fly ball deep left center. Grissom on the run. Yes, yes, yes. The Atlanta Braves have given you a championship. Listen to this crowd. Braves and baseball talk straight from the diamond. Here's Grant McCauley. Hello again and welcome to another episode of From the Diamond. I'm Grant McCauley and it is time for our weekly chat about the Braves and Major League Baseball, particularly what's happening on the hot stove and what exactly the Braves have been doing early on to kind of set the tone for what we've seen as far as signings are concerned and some of the excitement that comes with trying to figure out who's going to land where and some of the surprise signings that you see or surprise acquisitions that you see. And the Braves made one of those when they signed Will Smith just last week. And we'll talk a lot about Will Smith, what that signing means for the Braves' bullpen, the Braves' staff, the Braves' shopping list this winter. And we're going to hear from Will Smith from his introductory press conference back on Tuesday at SunTrust Park. And we'll also hear from Braves general manager Alex Anthopoulos, who shared his thoughts on what Smith's signing means for the club and also what he's going to be doing coming up as we head towards the winter meetings in a couple of weeks in San Diego. And, of course, what things Alex is looking to accomplish over the course of the winter to have the Braves ready for 2020 and hopefully another deep run through October. We're going to get to all of that on this episode. I'm also going to check in with my friend Paul Bird of Fox Sports South. Paul, of course, longtime Major League pitcher. You know him best for what he does in the Braves broadcast, which is bringing you some of the most entertaining and engaging interviews and content on the sidelines for the Braves. I'll check in with Paul and kind of pick his brain as a former pitcher on what it's like to put together a pitching staff and maybe what the Braves have and what they could use in order to take that next step in 2020. So I'll check in with Paul on this episode of From the Diamond as well. Of course, if you like what you hear and would like to hear it each and every week, you can subscribe to From the Diamond on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Ratings and reviews appreciated. Those five-star ones, of course, are my favorite. So if you want to throw one of those my way, Definitely would appreciate that as it helps out the show. And be sure you're following along on social media. On Twitter, you can find the show at FromTheDiamond underscore. You can find me at Grant McCauley, G-R-A-N-T-M-C-A-U-L-E-Y. On Instagram, the show is at FromTheDiamond with no underscore on the end. And I am at Grant McCauley on Instagram as well. And every episode of the show, as well as all the other stuff I'll be doing, you can find at FromTheDiamond.com. With all that out of the way, let's jump into the week there was in Braves news. And it was not just Will Smith who came on board. The Braves bullpen got another upgrade in bringing back Chris Martin. So we're going to be talking about both of those men. But we'll start with Smith, who may be doing the lion's share of the closing by the time all is said and done. It was really fascinating to hear his thoughts on that, uh, what role he might want, or what he's looking to do just in general to help make this club better that has nothing to do with a preconceived role of being a closer or a setup man or the seventh inning guy or the lefty specialist or any of the other things that we like to think about when we construct a bullpen. His thoughts and comments were actually pretty refreshing. When you think about the modern era of baseball that we're in right now, the modern age in which the bullpen has become much more used than at any other time in baseball history. So let's hear from new Braves reliever Will Smith, who was introduced to the media back on Tuesday at SunTrust Park. 
Smith is, of course, a Georgia boy, so he's excited to be back in his home state and pitching for the team he grew up watching. You know, anytime you can get close to home, I've always considered myself a homebody. But at the end of the day, you wanted to play for a win or two, and Atlanta obviously checks all those boxes off their the closest team yeah. to home, but they're also a contending team, a winning team, a, a team that's going to win next year and, and for the years to come. So that was probably more important to me than anything else other than being close to home. You know, that's just a, a huge bonus and a huge positive. But the main thing was I want to win, and I think I can do that here. Not only does Will Smith want to win, but he picked a pretty good club that's done its fair share of that the last couple of years. But one thing he did not want to do was spend his entire winter dangling out on the free agent market wondering where he was going to end up. One of the things he identified immediately was he'd be happy going back to San Francisco on the qualifying offer. So clubs were aware they were going to have to make this deal work, and the Braves came with a three-year, $40 million contract with a fourth-year option, and that offer made this homecoming possible. Smith discussed what exactly his mindset was as he hit the free agent market this winter. One thing I did make clear with my agency is I don't want this thing to drag out. Um, you know, like I said earlier, we're real black and white kind of guys. So if we know what we want, let's either get it done or go back to San Francisco for the year. Um, you know, we took everything into consideration there and, and we were able to get it done. And I feel so much better now that I've got the whole offseason now to, to continue to work out, continue to get better and know where I'm going to play. Um, it's a good feeling. Signing with the Braves, Will Smith's going to be reunited with one of his Giants teammates in Mark Melanson, the man who came over and ended up closing games for the Braves, and of course the man who's got plenty of experience closing games throughout his big league career. Smith discussed that relationship and what it's like to become teammates with Melanson yet again. We were in town last year playing when y'all clinched. Um, I talked to him in the outfield then. Um, you know, yeah, I love it here, man. You know, we had a good conversation. Um, but, you know, he was one of the first guys to text me, uh, you know, after it had come out. Uh, so, yeah, I'm excited to, to get my locker mate back, I guess. <laughs> that was your locker mate? He was my locker mate in San Francisco. <laughs> and then, obviously, he got traded, so maybe we'll be locker mates again. You never know. Regardless of the locker situation in the clubhouse, one thing Melanson and Will Smith will be sharing will be the late innings and the high-leverage situations for the Braves. But as I mentioned a little bit earlier, hearing Will Smith talk about how exactly he views his job and the job of all the Braves relievers was pretty refreshing, and it could be a little bit of insight on how exactly the Braves might use him whether it's getting those final three outs or just getting the team to the point where the game can be won. No, I don't think having a defined role is anything that's, you know, it's not going to bother me or anything. Just as long as I get to play, I'll be happy. And, you know, continue to have the attitude of, yeah, everybody's the closer of their inning um, and you'll be successful. So, yeah, it doesn't really, you know, whatever they've got planned, they've got planned. We'll see in spring. A lot gets made about those roles, and in some cases it's warranted. In other cases, it's just good to be able to have a lot of talent that can perform for you at different times on different nights. For as busy as a bullpen gets, you're going to have injuries over the course of the 162 games. You're also going to have times where some guys are just not pitching as well as some others. And we know this from seeing what the Braves' bullpen was at the start of last season, what it became after the trade deadline, and what it is now that they've added Will Smith to the mix. The Braves will head towards spring training, having Smith, Melanson, Shane Green, Chris Martin, Darren O'Day, Luke Jackson, and possibly Sean Newcomb in the mix, in addition to other moves they could make this winter and other arms who could step in and become viable bullpen options. And that's something Will Smith recognized upon joining this group. There's some really, really good arms down there, so it's just a matter of us coming together, you know, getting to know each other, making that a, a comfortable atmosphere down there, uh, leaning on each other, asking the questions, and picking each other's brains and stuff like that. Just Because, you know, yeah, we're a team, but in the bullpen we're kind of like our own little separate team, I've always thought, because we spend the three hours with each other yeah. locked up in a cage. So, yeah, I think once you just get that camaraderie going, you know, your bullpen can really take off. 
And that's exactly what the Braves are hoping to see from their bullpen in 2020 with the likes of Will Smith, Mark Melanson, Shane Green, Chris Martin, and others looking to stabilize that back of the bullpen and turn late leads into wins for the Braves as they go for their third consecutive National League East crown. Of course, on Tuesday, it wasn't just the Braves' new acquisition who addressed the media. Will Smith was joined at the podium by Alex Anthopoulos, who discussed what this signing means for the Braves and what other pieces of the puzzle he's looking to put in place before the team reports for spring training in about three months. We didn't view it as back of the bullpen or middle, or we just let's just get good relievers and become better and become deeper, right? So you're a contending club, even if you're down a run. I mean, that might not be considered back of the bullpen, but you keep the game close, you can come back, especially with this club. You guys have seen at least the two years I've been here, this club comes back quite a bit too. So that's another thing too, that sometimes that you're down a run or two, you want to keep the game close, but you want to save certain guys. If you're deeper in the bullpen, you've got the ability to, to do that, so... We haven't ruled anything out. Um, I guess the best way I could put it is, look, if we think we can get better, whether that's another reliever, starter, position player, we'll do it. We haven't uh, eliminated any position at this point. And, of course, Antopoulos immediately showed that signing a big reliever like Will Smith wasn't going to be the last move for this Braves bullpen heading into spring training. Later that day, the Braves announced the signing of Chris Martin, the righty reliever with great control who was picked up from the Texas Rangers in exchange for Colby Allard at the trade deadline last year. And, of course, one of the unfortunate storylines from the division series was the oblique injury that eliminated Martin from the bullpen equation in the very first game of that series. With time to rest up and get himself back on track, the Braves could get some big innings and some big outs from Chris Martin. He signed a two-year deal worth $7 million per season as the Braves continue to fortify the back end of their bullpen. And with all of the aforementioned veteran relievers and some of the other arms that will fit in some way, somehow, as the Braves figure out who's going to be in the bullpen in 2020, Antopoulos discussed bringing in Smith, but also having a veteran closer like Melanson, who finished the year closing things down for the Braves in the ninth inning. You know, the thought is right now that Mark did a nice job. It was 11 for 11 in saves, I believe, and you know he had that outing against Miami. But otherwise, I mean, they'll look at the walk, the strikeout numbers, and innings pitch. I mean, his numbers, and if you're into fielding independent ERAs and things like that, they were really good. So Mark did a nice job in that role. You know, what's nice about having Will, he could pitch in any role, is, look, there might be a big spot in the seventh right. as a left-handed reliever. Right. You can use them. I mean, what if you're up three runs in the ninth and you're facing six, seven, eight, you know, and it may not be the same thing. So, again, in talking to Snedi, obviously he'll make the decisions, but that's the thought going into the year. And Mark did a good job in the role. There's no reason to change. And he can deploy Will in all kinds of important spots, especially coming from the left side. It really allows him to be selective. It's worth pointing out there's a reason Will Smith was the best free agent reliever available on the market. 276 ERA, 6-0 with 34 saves also piling up strikeouts at the highest rate of his career, over 13 strikeouts per nine, something I discussed in the last episode of the show. I also gave you those numbers as to what exactly he was doing against left-handed batters. They were having no luck against Will Smith. 72 plate appearances, 11 for 72 is a 157 average. That's not very good. One home run, which was one of just two extra base hits allowed in those 72 plate appearances, one walk against 42 strikeouts, he simply did not allow left-hand batters to have success. And that's a huge weapon. You can use it in the ninth inning if you've got a three-run lead and you want to have Will Smith close. But think about some of the situations that Will Smith could step in to maybe get the final out of the seventh, maybe get three big outs in the eighth inning, and then to have the kind of depth the Braves finally do with a Mark Melanson, a Shane Green, a Chris Martin, a Darren O'Day, and perhaps other pitchers that could step in and help get some of those big outs around as they're mixed and matched for what the Braves need on that particular night. It's not going to be all about three-run leads. That stuff's nice, and it's nice to be the closer 
and to get that three-run lead and have the opportunity to get the final three outs because it does mean a win. But there's a lot of different ways that games are won and lost before you get to the ninth inning or before you get to a save situation. And it's not just radio hosts and smart fans who are looking at it this way. How about the general manager of the Atlanta Braves, Alex Anthopoulos? If you're in the closer's role, you get the ninth and you get a lead, and there could be times where Will's coming in with a tie game or we're down a run and it's bases loaded or a run. You know, so there's all, And, again, I think the left-handed part is big too. So um, there just could be key moments in the game there. So we feel like that's the strongest pen. Like anything, over the course of the year, things can change. And it's nice knowing that if Mark's down a day and Will's up and he's available, he can do it. If something was to happen, it's having more guys with closer experience uh, always helps as well. The Braves have over $40 million tied up and a handful of veteran relievers who should make their bullpen better. But that, of course, is not the only concern of Alex Anthopoulos and the Braves as they look to put together their roster for 2020. And there are some key holes and elements that the Braves are still looking to find and or fill, not necessarily in that order, as they get their winter shopping done. One of the pluses for the Braves, despite being a mid-market payroll, just based on how Liberty Media has run the club since taking over, and while we can guess the general range that the Braves might be in payroll-wise, the fact is there is more money to spend and there are more moves to make. And one thing the Braves have going for them is there's a very young core to this team of some talented players who are signed to multi-year contracts, in the case of Ronald Acuna and Ozzie Albies, and those don't really start to accelerate for another couple of years as far as how much annually they're owed by the Braves. And you've got younger players like Mike Soroka, Max Fried, and others that help make a little bit more room to go out and get some veteran players at this particular time for where the Braves are. Those considerations and many more are the things that General Manager Alex Antopoulos is looking to take into account as he tries to put together this roster for next season. Right now we have guys like Soroka and Freed that are young in their careers, but a, a nice job in our rotation. And obviously Swanson, Acuna, Albies are young in their careers as well. And we'll see where Camargo and Riley factor. So, you know, there's a certain thing when you're trying to construct a payroll and a roster, you're weighing all those things. So, you know, we have room to continue to add and continue to you know, make the club better. In signing Will Smith, who had that qualifying offer attached by the San Francisco Giants, the Braves are losing their second highest draft pick in the 2020 draft. That's no small consideration for, again, a club that has valued those picks and is still facing sanctions by Major League Baseball thanks to the international indiscretions of the previous regime. That aside, there's a win-now element that the Braves are now in that they weren't previously when we are talking about the rebuild era in which the Braves were just trying to stockpile talent and get the ball rolling the other way again. This is the club that's won the division back-to-back years. It's a club that can look at that and say that's a great step but doesn't want to settle for just getting to October. They want to excel in October and they want to do it for multiple years, and they're going to need to bring in the pieces that can make that possible. While the Braves have had a great farm, and many of those prospects have graduated, and many more could make an impact in the coming months and years, Alex Antopoulos said that they're not letting the qualifying offer stop them from going out and finding the players they need and getting those potential deals done. You know, it's part of it. You you talk about it. Obviously, you'd rather keep your draft picks, but at the same time, um, you know, the guys that are getting qualified are great players, so... For us, Will Smith, that was all part of the evaluation and so on. But, um, you know, it's a chance, you know, in our view, we'd love to get a Will Smith type in the second round of the draft. So we'd be thrilled if we could, you know, turn that into it. Or, you know, you're looking at trade deadline-wise, you know, you're going to trade pretty good talent to get a you know, good late-inning reliever like that. So I mean, we've lived that, whether that's off-season trade market, in-season trade market, it's expensive. So ideally, with everything we've talked about it, with um, – being out of the international market and so on you know, we'd like to keep our draft picks but if we have a chance to make the club better and we like the player obviously we're not afraid to do it 
I don't think any other player in recent memory has made the Braves better when he's talking about free agent acquisitions than the signing of Josh Donaldson a year ago this time. The Braves would love to have Josh Donaldson back, and I think there's a deal that could be done there, but they're not going to be alone in trying to sign the former American League MVP to a multi-year deal this winter. Rumors abound that multiple National League East clubs, in addition to the Rangers and perhaps the Dodgers, are all on the radar as far as sniffing around to figure out what they can do to bring Josh Donaldson in. And that leaves Alex Anthopoulos and the Braves to wait to see what the market dictates and also to take an inventory of what they've got on hand if they have to fill third base internally and switch to other pursuits to find that big bat in the middle of the order. We're still looking at you know, trying to do something with third base. You know, We like Camargo, we like Riley, but just with whether it's inconsistencies of performance, health, things like that, you know, we're still going to look to add at third base one way or the other. So a lot of good players out there, and uh, we're going to try to see if we can get something done. There's only been a handful of moves made in the early portion of the winter, but things could kick up over the next couple of weeks, and especially when the winter meetings get started in San Diego in the second week of December. That being said, every day is a new opportunity for the Braves and 29 other teams to get better, and that's the goal for Alex Antopoulos and company. Until you have something done, right, you're always you're working daily. Um, that's through the holidays, weekends, at all times. So the offseason doesn't end, and there's really no off days or downtime. So from that standpoint... You're having conversations, but until you have something done, you don't know. Things can change fast. All right, I want to welcome Paul Bird into the show as we continue discussing what exactly the Braves, not just their bullpen, but this entire pitching staff is going to look like. And, uh, Paul, I got a chance to catch up with you last week briefly because we were down at SunTrust Park for the first time in a little while as we got to meet Mr. Will Smith. So what were your impressions of the Braves' new reliever and where he fits in in this Braves pitching staff? Grant, I, I absolutely love that move because I thought he was a top free agent reliever this offseason. He's coming to his own. He's a veteran. And when you see a veteran who's coming to their own, you kind of know what you're getting. And I don't mean to put down a guy that's 21 or 22, but sure. sometimes there's a little more inconsistency. So this guy has years of experience. He's figured it out. He's a lefty. He's nasty. Good breaking ball. Doesn't have to throw 100 miles an hour to keep guys out. But more importantly, he wants to win. And he said that was number one on his list. I thought he was coming back home, which he is, you know, grew up in Noonan. Mm-hmm. But I thought he was coming back home. Like, I, I couldn't wait to come back home. But he said above that was, I want to be with a team that was going to win. Yeah. And when you see that, those are the kind of guys you want to get in the locker room, wants to make everybody better. We'll close this year, you know, at yeah. least a percentage of games, mm-hmm. but doesn't care if he does, you know. When you see that unselfishness, you say, man, premier pickup for the Braves. Well done. Yeah, I agree with all of that. I want to get into that in just a minute as far as the roles are concerned, but just kind of watching this Braves bullpen really turn that corner the final two months of the season, how big of an impact do you think adding a Will Smith is going to make for this club just from the on-field performance standpoint? Oh, it's huge. It slots everybody down. And if you need to use him in the seventh or eighth for whatever reason, you could, and you could close with somebody else. You have a team with a bunch of closers, you know, now in Melanson. Um, Luke Jackson, I know, got a lot of heat last year, but he's not 30 years old. He's not seasoned with five or six years' experience, so I expect right. him to get better. So you have guys like that who are going to slot down, and it's going to be, you know, one of the best bullpens in the game if guys perform like they should. Yeah, and you mentioned this, uh, Smith said on Tuesday, that he's not really worried about being the, quote, closer. And he said there's big outs to yeah. get wherever they are, which is exactly what you're talking about. And I love that attitude, just like you do, as far as yeah. the possibilities of being able to use 
multiple experienced arms that give the Braves an advantage in the late innings or just to get to the late innings, to have a lead, to have a chance to yeah. win a game. Yeah, and Grant, I'm old. You know that? I don't know if you, you knew that. <laughs> I get older I'm every year. I'm actually old. I got some good shit, man. I got gray in my beard. I don't know how to get it out of there, you know? Um, so I've been around a long time, and I've never, ever heard what he said at the press conference. And he said, every person coming out of that bin is a closer. Right. And he said, you just close your inning. So if you come in in the sixth, your job is to close that inning. If you come in in the eighth, your job is to close that inning. And, of course, the ninth. And he said, it just so happens that the ninth are the last three outs of the game. And if everybody has that attitude, then it's like family down there. Guys come together. They're not worried about what role they're in. And I thought, man, that is brilliant. I've never heard that said before. Again, I've been around for a long time. And I was really impressed with this guy's makeup. Yeah, I was really impressed with that as well. And I know you spent a lot of your career as a starting pitcher, but as a reliever and and being part of a pitching staff, is there really anything to, or maybe it depends on the individual, but is there really anything to needing to know your role specifically, or can these guys really thrive without it much the way that Will Smith laid it out? Yeah, I think it depends on the person, but those kinds of things that Will Smith just said, those kinds of things change attitudes. And everybody can change their attitude and learn and have a different perspective or a different outlook. If you have to know your role, the advantages to that is, you know, you, you stretch out at a certain time. You know when to play catch with the right fielder at a certain time. You just kind of get going. You get your game face on. You get prepared. You're studying, and, and you start to feel like, okay, the eighth inning's mine. It starts to feel personal, you know, like yeah. as a hitter. You know, I lead off. Why'd you put me in the eight hole? I lead off. I'm a lead off hitter. Right. I like, you know, you see, you see people like Acuna who just like a certain spot. They feel like it's theirs. And that can happen in the, the pen too. You get territorial. Like these are my innings. You know, this is my role. I get out lefties or I come in in the uh, fifth when the starter fails and I carry us to the seventh. You know, I throw three innings. I'm a long reliever. You start to get personal about your roles. And I think when he just said, hey, we're going to put ego aside, and whenever you go in the game, you're a closer, again, I'd never heard that. And, uh, you know, I thought that was really, really cool. And that will change the thinking down there of I have to have a specific role. I think it definitely can. And I do agree with you. As you said, Will Smith's going to get a chance to close some games this year. There's really no two ways about that. You go out and get an arm like that, he's going to get a chance to throw in those big innings as will Mark Melanson, perhaps Shane Green and some of the others, and, of course, Chris Martin coming back. Let me get your thoughts really quickly on that. I love what I saw from Chris Martin, number one, because as we saw, Paul, in the first couple of months of the season, it's pretty important to come out of the bullpen and throw strikes, and there were not too many relievers in all of Major League Baseball that uh, limited walks and really worked the way that Chris Martin did, so I think that's a great pickup to bring him back for the next couple of years. I love him as well. He's there's just certain people that when they walk into the locker room and you know it because you're in the locker room right there with me, um, they make it a better place. Yeah. You know, you get a smile on your face. And when he walks in there, big six, seven, six, eight, gets the whole bullpen robes with their name on the back of it and all that. And yeah. has such a great attitude. You know, those are the guys you want to keep around. They make everybody else better. Was out of baseball for three years, loading boxes in a warehouse, boss brought a glove and ball and you know minor league pitcher whose shoulder was killing him he started throwing balls off a wall 
And all of a sudden, he says, my shoulder doesn't hurt. Boss comes in the next day. He's throwing balls off a wall. Hits the washer in the back room. Like, who has that story, right? Yeah. Like, just such an incredible story. But what that did for him was attitude again. He doesn't have a bad day. He's very thankful to be there. And it doesn't mean that he's not a bulldog out on the mound and he, he doesn't get frustrated or angry. He's not that gamer. It just means that he has a different perspective than everybody else. He doesn't whine or complain. He's very thankful. And you need a guy like that in the bullpen, again, helping everybody out. And um, it's not just the guy on the field. It's the guy off the field as well. And he's one of those special players. No, he absolutely is. Now, the Braves have put a lot of money into the back end of their bullpen. Of course, Melanson and Shane Green coming over, re-signing Chris Martin, who was traded for last year in the Will Smith signing. That means they've got a pretty good group back there. But, Paul, as we look at the Braves' rotation, we know there's two young studs who really came into their own in 2019 and Mike Soroka and in Max Freed. We got to see Mike Fultonevich kind of turn his season around. But after that, I don't know, with the absence of Julio Tehran going forward, that we really know what this group is going to look like in those last couple of spots. There's some names out there, which is the fun of the winter, the hot stove season in particular, Madison Bumgarner, Zach Wheeler on the free agent market. Those guys feel like they could fit what the Braves need in this rotation. But uh, what would you like to see happen there? And who do you feel could provide the extra stability that comes with helping to front a starting staff? Man, you're absolutely right. This is what's so fun about baseball. I love following this, seeing the moves. Um, Sean Newcomb is going to get a chance to start. That's already been said, as mm-hmm. you know. So he'll be in there. So you got to fill really one hole. And uh, you mentioned Soroka and Freed. Man, this team has a chance to be good for the next 10 years. And I don't mean just good. I mean challenge for the title every year um, when you have those kind of pitchers. Because as you saw in the playoffs, you just really need three. Yeah. It's nice to have four. But if you have three dominant, well, you got, you know, two to three dominant right there. And Newcomb coming back, I like that. So that leaves you with one. Got to pick up one. And, you know, I do agree with Bumgarner. Um, He's, I don't want to say, you know, a little bit past his prime, but still got a lot of life left. And I think he's got that makeup where he'll bring leadership, World Series champion to that rotation. I love that. Zach Wheeler, more of a Seth guy who's from here. Another great pickup. I could see that happening, and that'd be very interesting. Garrett Cole, probably a little too much money. Sure. I don't like having $300 million in one person because if that person gets hurt or goes down, you know, and I'd rather have three guys at $100 million than one guy at 300 That's just the way I think. That's a good point. Um, yeah, I'd rather have three really good guys. It's like diversity in the stock market. I mean, you don't want to put everything into one stock. So uh, yeah, that's the way I look at it. But, you know, no qualifying offer on Ryu out there with the Dodgers, Alex sure. Anthopoulos, Dodgers connection. Um, I would, I, that would be interesting, you know, if something like that happened. I know MLB.com has, you know, really low chances of getting Ryu, but I think that's a mistake. I think that uh, there's a better chance of getting him than some other people anticipate. It'll be interesting to see what happens there. And, um you know, I'm going out to cover the winter meetings here in December out in San Diego. There's worse places to be. No doubt. I'll be I out can't there. Wait to see if something, yeah, I can't wait to see if something goes down. So like you said, it's going to be a lot of fun to see what the Braves do. 
Yeah, it's a good time always to get out there and kind of have the world of baseball get together for a few days. And, I mean, they could do it in San Diego every year. It really wouldn't hurt my feelings. It's a great place to get out to for uh, uh, the better part of about a week or so. Um, When you look at trades, I think that's a possibility. And I've kind of thought this for the last couple of years. When you look at the way Alex Anthopoulos has gone about really using that first year to assess what he had in-house. He didn't make wholesale changes or huge trades. He made the Matt Kemp trade to kind of move some money around and help his club out a little bit. But other than that, I don't think we've really seen that signature move, if you will, from uh, Alex Anthopoulos when it comes to making that big trade. It just kind of feels like a couple of years on the job now and with the Braves in their window of contention, as you pointed out, a chance to really challenge to be in October and make a deep run of it for not just a year or two, but possibly for the next you know, half a decade or more, just depending on how the the cards fall. But uh, kind of getting back to the question, does it feel like this winter might finally be that time where that big blockbuster trade might happen for the Braves and maybe they fill that starting pitching need there? Yeah, I think I certainly think it could. Um, and when you do that, possibilities get really exciting. Um, you know, there's some, some guys out there who would be very interesting. What do I like about Alex Anthopoulos? He's made really good, solid moves that have made sense. Right. And Donaldson was a big question mark for a lot of people at first because they're like, man, this guy's over the hill. Uh, He's injured. I don't see it. He can rub people the wrong way based on the way he comes in the locker room. And, you know, Alex's response to all of that was, hey, just hold on. Just hold on. Wait. Just hold on. You will see it. And by the end of the year, and we may still get Donaldson, there's like, you know, uh, an uproar in Atlanta. Like, how can we not sign this guy, sign back Donaldson? I mean, there's like you couldn't get on Twitter without there being people that were outraged. And I thought it was a really good sign. You know, I thought it was a really good sign of how well he knows people, how well he knows makeup. And again, he preaches this all the time and I see him live it out is it's not just about getting good players. It's about getting the right players. And so it'll be interesting to see what he does if he gets a signature move. Um, but the signature move for, for me so far is him getting Donaldson, bringing him back on a one year deal. Cause that changed our team this year. I would absolutely agree. I've said a little earlier in the show, I don't think any one player has made a bigger difference for a Braves team, at least in recent memory, then the signing of Josh Donaldson this past year brought yeah. a certain swagger, a certain pedigree, a certain expectation, yeah. if you will. And, yeah, it might have taken a little while for him to really start to gel with the club, but I think it takes, yeah. I would say, Paul, I mean, and you played the game, but it take a little while for a team to kind of find its identity in a given year, especially when you bring in new faces and a big name like a Josh Donaldson, for example. Yeah, it does. And, you know, when a guy walks in a locker room with the Raiders hat on with, you know, Ray-Bans that are oversized, <laughs> Air Jordan's a crazy jacket and walks in with swagger, you know, um, and he's not performing or he's hurt. That can rub some guys the wrong way. But I think what you found, and this is, this is my opinion, you know, I played for the Braves um, for four years and we were very businesslike, you know, we didn't have that guy. Like we were very businesslike and Josh Donaldson kind of broke some of those, molds that the Braves have. What I mean by that is, you know, he turned and shushed the other team's dugout. You know, he yelled at players sliding in second base the wrong way and got in guys' faces. He was just danced to his own drum. And 
I think what you found was the people of Atlanta connected to that. Yeah. Like, I don't need the business player that, and, and again, there is, there's players that are very stoic and they're very businesslike and they're very, and that is them. And you don't want to change them and try to make them Josh Donaldson because there's a beauty in that type of personality too, but it takes all kinds. And when you had a guy like Donaldson who came in, who danced to his own drum, swagger, you know, confidence uh, at the wazoo, affecting everybody else. And he worked hard and then started to play really, really well. Atlanta responded and went nuts. Like, we love this guy. We love personality. We love out of the box. We love swagger. We love a really bad haircut, mullet, slash, whatever that thing was. It was something. And it was something. And when you saw that, Fans connected to that, and um, yeah, it was it was really really great to see. So um, it'll be interesting. I would love for for us to bring him back. It just depends on how much money and how long. Yeah, I think it would be pretty tremendous to have the opportunity to bring Josh Donaldson back, put him back in the middle of that lineup, and see what the Braves can do yet again on that offensive side of things. And kind of circling back to the trade market, one name that I've looked at, and we've watched him for a few years over in Cleveland is Corey Kluber. He's a guy that's got two Cy Youngs yeah. on his mantle. As far as his trophies are concerned, he's got another couple of top five finishes. Uh, last year, really a lost season for him as he battled injuries, ended up with a broken arm thanks to a line drive. Just really nothing seemed to go right for him. Uh, he's under contract for 2020. There's a team option for uh, 2021 as well. Uh, at 33 years old, turning 34 next year, I don't know how much is left there, but I feel like if the Braves are looking to stabilize the rotation and depending on what the cost is, I mean, this is the kind of guy that I think would also make a difference if you don't want to get into a bidding war over a Madison Bumgarner or a Zach Wheeler that might cost you a four- or five-year commitment, and that's something that I think could be of interest. Um, uh, what do you make of a move like that that might not necessarily be super short-term but may not be going out and trying to make the biggest splash only in the free agent market? Yeah, for me, um, he's kind of like a right-handed Keichel to me. Somebody that's been there, done that before, great makeup. I agree with you on the injury. Um, maybe he's not in his prime, but he's still very, very good. Would affect people in a very positive way. Career, MLB career, 3.16 ERA, American League. Yeah. That's fantastic. Like, that is outstanding. And so he's been consistent his whole career. Another thing I like about him, you know, cutter is a big pitch for him. And average pitch speed is 88, you know. So he doesn't have to throw 98 to win. Um, Very, very good, as we all know, breaking ball. So he's somebody that I think is safer than what they look on paper because baseball in this game, everybody remembers what have you done for me lately. Correct. So it's like that stock market thing where you're buying a stock low and it could pay big dividends. Yeah, I agree with that. And also when you look at Alex Anthopoulos and his style and you start to get into the advanced metrics and the fielding independent ERAs and some of the other stats that you might not look at immediately when you see the win-loss record and maybe just the ERA title, which he does have one of those, and the 200-plus innings every year. And this is the guy who can miss bats. So I'd be interesting to see, or interested to see rather, if this is a name that just with Cleveland kind of being in that uh, same boat that the Braves are in in a lot of ways where they're a middle market payroll. If they do decide that they want to shed one of those bigger deals and maybe start to use that money to, say, keep a Francisco Lindor around for a long time, perhaps Corey Kluber might be an expendable this winter, which would be an interesting move for a number of clubs that are looking for some help in the starting rotation. And uh, kind of with that in mind, Paul, I want to ask you, you mentioned this briefly, but 
we watched the Nationals win the World Series largely on the strength of their starting pitchers. And I feel like we're kind of yeah. reaching that point where the starter is going to have to come back a little bit in terms of throwing more innings, uh, having that talented bullpen is a huge weapon. But starting pitcher, to me, has the power to impact the game more than I think teams are allowing him to do so these days. Where do you think that balance is when it comes to managing the innings out of the starting staff and perhaps maybe just asking too much out of a bullpen? Well, that is the question, right? That is an incredible question. I think the game is changing, and I don't want to say, well, way back when I played, you know, and be that guy. But when I played, and this is, you know, I retired 10 years ago, but about 15 years ago, the average velocity for a starting pitcher was 88 miles an hour. Yeah. Now it's 94. Right. So when you look at that difference of six miles an hour in 10 to 15 years, that's never happened before in the history of the game. Like ever. Yeah. And so when you have a change like that, you have to say why. And I think now what I see, and I saw it again this year with Fulty was, you know, Fulty is throwing 96 miles an hour usually, and he was throwing 94 like 93.7, and everybody's like, what's wrong? And Fulty was like, I don't know, and I interviewed him after a game, and he was sweating, and he's like, yeah, I don't know. My velocity is down a little bit. And I said, hey, man, you're throwing 94 miles an hour. Who cares? There's nothing wrong with your velocity. And my point in saying all that is this. A starting pitcher now is judged on how hard they throw. Unless you are somebody that has been there like a Keichel, done it, and whatever, they're judged on how hard they throw. Like, that is a big deal. And so people know this, meaning you get called up sooner, you get contracts sooner, if you have better stuff. And people know this. So their whole goal is to throw. Hey, I I do want to hit my spot, but I got to throw the ball as hard as I possibly can. And when you do that, you can only last five innings. Yeah. You can only last six innings. You're exhausted. And so that's one of the reasons I think pitchers lasted longer when I pitched. And then even 20, 30, 40 years back where guys didn't, there was, you know, wasn't a radar gun score every time somebody let the ball go and people just pitched and they concentrated on hitting their spots, sinker, cutter, tricking people, pitching more of velocity wasn't as big a deal. And so guys lasted longer, and the bullpen was not as important as it is today. Today, I think what you're seeing now is how important it is to not just have one or two guys in that pen who are very good, but to have five or six. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. As you said, you saw the Nationals make it happen because they had guys who could not only throw hard, but they could pitch and last a long time in the games. And you see the result. Yeah, most definitely seeing that result these days when it comes to what the Nationals were able to do and what we saw as far as results are concerned from uh, one young pitcher in particular this year. I want to ask you about him, and that's Mike Soroka. You got to watch him work on a regular basis as a guy who's done the job that he was doing. You know what it takes to succeed out there on the mound do you feel that Mike Soroka is ready to anchor this rotation at 22 years old? Yeah, and I honestly think he did last year. I think he was the guy. I think that sure. the Braves will question themselves on not giving him two starts in the playoffs. I know yeah. they were worried about home versus away. But, you know, 
in the playoffs is different, and I think they probably regret that, you know, now. Um, but, hey, you make mistakes, you learn from it, you move on. And I think Mike Soroka, from here on out, they will give him the ball above anybody else every chance they can because he's a wizard. He is brilliant. Pitches like a 32-year-old in their prime who's won the Cy Young. He, too, does not need to throw. And he's got a great fastball with that 95, 96-mile-an-hour four-seamer. Mm-hmm. But he pitches, pitches. He's had a really nice entrance into MLB like no other. And uh, when you see that guy, probably one of, like an Acuna, like an Aubie, I'm so happy that we get to watch him pitch in an Atlanta uniform for the next however many years because it's going to be a career that is so fun to follow. You know, the sky's the limit. And, you know, when you stick the microphone in his face after the game, as you know, he's a fantastic person. So, you know, he's proving that uh, <laughs> he's proving that, you know, pitching still wins. The thinking pitcher still wins. And um, it's wonderful to see. No doubt. And Mike Soroka checks all the boxes as far as I'm concerned. I think you're right. The Braves are going to put the ball in his hand, give him the opportunity for a long time to help them win and hopefully make that deep run in October. As we wrap up here, one guy you mentioned a little bit earlier, but I did want to touch on him for another moment, is Sean Newcomb, who is going to get that chance to get stretched out and be a starter again this spring. Uh, I know he's had success there. We've watched that. But I really liked what he was able to do out of the bullpen on a number of different fronts, not just from the numbers that he was putting up, but from the style of pitcher that he became out of the bullpen, Paul. Uh, what do you expect out of Sean as we head into what feels like a very big year for him to define what kind of big league pitcher he's going to be? Yeah, sometimes you got to take a step back to go forwards and not that you're taking too big of a step back when you're a reliever in the bullpen and you're coming in in big situations. But the key for Sean for me is to be able to throw more than two pitches for strikes during the course of the game. Um, and I think that's why he did so well out of the pen is you get a guy out one time out of the pen, you only need two pitches. Sometimes you only need one. But he's got dominant stuff. And when you're a starter and you face a guy a second time and a third time, you have to give them different looks. You have to throw different pitches for strikes. And I think that's where Sean got in trouble at times. Yeah. So if he throws that cutter more, really good curveball, really good fastball, but if he mixes in that cutter more, the slider, the changeup, and those become pitches that he can throw for strikes behind in the count, then I think he will be not just an average starter in the big leagues, but very, very good. So he's another story to follow, and how soon that development takes place, uh, again, will be interesting to see. Well, we've got a lot of stories to follow, no doubt, this winter as the Braves have made some early splashes, but a lot of uh, boxes left for them to check off when it comes to that winter shopping list as far as that's concerned as well. Paul, I appreciate you making all the time, and I look forward to chatting with you out in San Diego where I think the weather's going to be pretty nice for us here in a couple of weeks. Uh, Looking forward to it. Thanks for having me on the show. Always fun to talk Braves, and even though it ended uh, a little rough last year, not like we would like, I think that it's exciting to know that, hey, that wasn't a one-year thing. There's a lot of years ahead where we're, we'll be chomping at the bit to get to the playoffs. No doubt about it. I look forward to all of those and look forward to catching up with you very soon. Thanks so much. Thanks so much, Grant. See you. My thanks again to Paul Bird of Fox Sports South for giving us all that insight on the Braves pitching staff. A lot of moves left to be made, but you have to feel pretty good about where the Braves bullpen is trending as we head into 2020, light years away from where it was on opening day of 2019. 
Make sure you're following Paul on Twitter. You can find him at PaulBird36. And with that said, that brings us to the end of this episode of From the Diamond. As always, I invite you to subscribe to the show. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher is where you can find it. Ratings and reviews appreciated. Keep those rolling in. And be sure you're connected on social media on Twitter at FromTheDiamond underscore. I am at Grant McCauley on Instagram. It's at FromTheDiamond, no underscore there. And I am at Grant McCauley on Instagram as well. And you can find every episode of the show and all the articles and other coverage at FromTheDiamond.com. The holiday season is nearly upon us, so I hope you are enjoying time with family and friends this Thanksgiving. Celebrate safely, and I look forward to catching you on the next episode of From the Diamond. I'm Grant McCauley, and until then, so long, everyone. <laughs>